So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. All right, welcome everybody to this episode of Cash Flow to Freedom. I'm your host, A.J. Osborne, with our co-host here, Rock Pion. I'm excited for this one today. This is going to be a good one. We're going over two main principles of cash flow to freedom. One is our four principles that we believe on that make up your foundation for growing wealth. And then the, the second one are really the ingredients for financial fuel, what that means and how that plays into your life, your investing process and your business. I want to kind of use some examples and we'll have Rock to talk a lot about the online side and how using these four pillars allowed him opportunity to grow on the online side. And we can look at different variations, including one of the businesses I just started up and how it's an interesting concept because I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, we don't, I don't understand how you do so many things. Yeah. Right. And two, they're like, where, where do you get this opportunity? Like, where does this opportunity come from? And I think these are principles that help you create the ground, the bedwork for opportunities to grow. And I mean, really, when you're talking about, pers- for me, personal finance, that's what it's really about. Mm-hmm. It's about creating opportunity. And most people, their personal finances are in such a mess in the first place. Yeah, they cap themselves. Yeah, they cap themselves. And opportunity will never even come up. It'll never even happen because they don't have soil that can sprout those kind of yeah, those kind of plants. And so you're throwing seed uh, on dead soil. And that's where personal finance is for me and why it's so important because it is the starting ground. And that's that's something they don't teach in school. That's right. what, you know, nobody learns. Most of us, we pick up on bad habits. And two, I mean, I even had friends that their parents didn't talk to them about finances at all. I, right. I don't know how you were growing up or whatnot, but it was almost like a taboo topic. We don't talk about the job. We don't talk about what we make. Yeah. Nothing. My parents talked a little bit, but they never talked openly about their finances. And when I showed an interest in making money, my dad was supportive with like books and stuff and like pushing me in that direction or not necessarily pushing me, but just like guy, like, like letting me go in that direction as I wanted to. But I think most people that cap themselves by, by carrying consumer debt, they don't realize that they think it's a part of life. They think that's, it's normal to have a couple grand on a credit card. For casual purchases, like oh, I'm gonna, I need, I want this TV. I, uh, you, you, you impulse buy, and they don't necessarily plan for their expenses. They just let thing, the expenses happen to them. And later on down the road, if somebody did have an opportunity, a friend has a business that they want you to invest in, or you have a skill that could have bought into a, a team that is working on building a company, you might not be able to leave your job, or you might not be able to do certain things because you have to pay for your debt. Yeah, exactly. I love that idea right there and how consumer debt just literally cripples you. And I guess that's really why it's the first pillar. So our four pillars that we kind of lie out is you, you have no consumer debt, multiple streams of income, scalable process, and time and income separation. And right there, right? I mean, when you're talking about consumer debt, debt overall, and you, when I look at at debt, I'm not one of those people, I guess, necessarily that believes in 0% debt. I believe financing on your home is okay thing to do. I, I, don't, I don't believe that 
you should say, I got to pay off my home as quick as possible. That there's in fact a lot of reasons I don't. And there's a lot of reasons for that. When I have 3% on my money, yeah. well, it literally cost me when I can invest and get a 10% That's return. Same thing, opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah. the opportunity cost. Yeah. So my, my house, once again, I, I would never allocate that cash to paying that off. Alive. Yeah, yeah. liability. Yeah. Yeah. Now, two, I, I, I fully believe that although a house is not consumer debt, it can be. And it, it, it can be when you live outside your means. Right. And I think a lot of people, when, when, they, when they go to buy a house, they'll get pre-approved for, say, $500,000 based on their income and based on uh, their savings and all these other metrics. And so they think, I'm going to go buy a $500,000 house. Yes. They don't think, oh, I'll buy a $200,000 house or $250,000 house. Because it's it fits what I want, and uh, I'm I'm more than approved for it. And actually, it's it's in the lender's best interest to guide you to the most expensive house. Yeah, they so. want they want you to spend the majority of your money paying right. them. Right. And, and I I always say I don't let bankers tell me how much I can afford, and I don't let realtors tell me what something is worth. Yeah. And there's no more of a true statement. I I know that when we went to buy our second home, the bankers came back and. You know, they're, here's what you pre-approved or so. And the number was so staggering to me. I was almost shocked. Like, first of all, why would you give me that much money? And second of all, why would anyone in their right mind spend that much money on a home? Because for me, I wanted, and I have a really, really nice home and I live in a really nice area. Yeah. We bought the home and it was a distressed market. We picked up the land and it would gone to foreclosure, all that kind of stuff. But I wanted a nice place to live. I have a large home. I, I, I like it. But in no way, shape or form was it ridiculous amounts of money or anything else like that. But two, there's a line when you when your home is becomes a consumer because you're using it to show off, to play, it's way bigger than anything you need. And, that, and then that's when your home crosses into what I would call consumer debt. Yeah. Because now it's becoming a toy. Yeah. It, it's not for lifestyle, it's not to live in, it's not to grow, to raise your family and all that. I understand living in a nice home that has size for you, your family, or maybe you're renting out, whatever it may be, in a safe area, that, that makes sense. And two, once again, the reason houses stand out from all the rest of purchases, by the way, too, houses are the only thing that I classify as debt worthy. That's it, it inside individual, my personal finances. Yeah. Like yeah. cars. I no. think I think some people need to get the debt on the cars. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they might need to get debt on cars or I did. medical yeah. expenses and stuff like that. But I think you want to get out of it yes. as quick as and, possible. And you need to have a plan. Like, don't just go in blind. And even like, I like, we're, we're talking about consumer debt, but let's just talk about student loan debt. If you get the wrong degree, and then when I say wrong, one one that you didn't really need to do what you're going to do anyway, and I'll leave that subjective and open. Well, I might, I might not need a business degree, but yeah, yeah, it is an ROI. It's an ROI. And I think if you don't really have an idea of what you're wanting to do, that you, you, you might be digging your own hole. Yeah. And, and you need to look at all that and have a plan, like whether it's consumer debt, student loan debt, just debt in general, just have a plan in place. Or a thing in place to manage your debt. So, yes. so like with your with house, I'm just going to use house hacking because yeah. it's a good example. Yeah. You could buy a house and you have a mortgage, but somebody's paying it. Yeah. So, so that debt balances itself out. Or if I want to go buy, I'm just going to use a TV. I don't watch. I don't have a TV. But if you want to go buy a TV, you plan for the for the purchase over three months, and you go buy it with the money you saved yeah. up. You know, too, you, you talk about house hacking. You, you can also student loan hack. You can get a job that's going to help 
um, pay towards your student loan. And when I went to school, I worked full time while I was going to school. I worked on, I actually worked on farms and I'd get up at three o'clock in the morning. We'd go turn hay and I mean, you know, you had get in there to pay off while I was going to school. Me and my wife, when we were first married, we worked both full time and paid off our schooling. And I couldn't agree more that schooling for me had to have an ROI. So, you know, I look at schooling can either be the best investment or the worst possible investment you could ever make. Yeah. And that's dependent on a lot of things. If you're going to go spend $50,000 uh, or $100,000 to go to school and you can only get a job that's going to pay you $30,000 a year, that's probably not the best choice because you could probably get that job, you know, anyways, without a degree. But if I'm going to spend $60,000 on school and I know that I can get a job that's going to lead me into a career or gain the skills to start a business, whatever it is, that's going to pay me 150. Okay, well now you're talking about you know something that makes Return. sense. But two, a lot of people they get strapped in to huge student loan debts. They're going to school to play. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. You see, in so many cases, they're going for a social setting, which blows my mind why someone would go into debt. Yeah, you don't have to go. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to be enrolled to go to school. Yeah, exactly. You can just show up. You can just show up. Go yeah, to the parties. They, I mean, I've never been checked. Yeah. I mean, you, no one checks you, unless you're. I mean, yeah, you could literally go sit in classes, and they probably won't care. I don't know how often or how long you could run that for, but there's no need. If you don't have a plan, I I, I would plan it before you before you take in that. Yeah, that's student loan debt. That's consumer debt. Just manage your expenses because it will cap your opportunities going forward. Well, and two, when you're in a and when you're in a situation with uh, debt, there's a few reasons debt can kill you. I I believe if you're going into debt, this idea of planning it planned out. That's why I like houses because you have a 30 year mortgage and you know that when the time comes, you're going to have your house paid off and yep. you can lock in at a rate in which is known. If I have student loan debt that I got to refi in five years and I don't know what I'm going to refi that at, and all of a sudden I go from a four percent to an 8% interest, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff is that, it's that, terrifying. that's terrifying. It's it's absolutely scary. And it can kill not only opportunity, we're talking about years of life plans and everything you do. So for me, if you do get into any kind of debt outside your home, it needs to be paid off as quick as possible. And the only debt you should get in is debt that is necessary. So in school in some aspects and a car, and then it's immediately paid off. And if you go into those debts before, you gotta have a plan. It's gotta be reasonable. Yeah. If you're gonna go into debt for a car, you don't go buy a fifty thousand dollar car. Go get a five thousand dollar car. Right? Yeah. You don't need to look look flashy. It needs to be utility. Yeah. Not not to show up. Well, and you think about a fifty thousand dollar car. If you put let's say five grand down and your payments let's say close to a thousand dollars a month, and you think you can swing that because you're you just want to show off to everybody, driving your Range Rover around. What you gotta look at is over the course of a year, that's twelve thousand dollars. And if you had invested that into, say, a duplex or let's say the stock market, and you that that would have been money that five years from now you could you could pay for that car payment. But your your short sighted thinking will cap you, and it works in reverse. Yes. So you're not even getting the you're not getting the appreciation of the money, but you're also losing because cars depreciating and and the opportunity cost opportunity of the money cost. Spent. And this yeah. is why I believe cars are probably the worst thing you could ever ever buy and get debt on. And there's a few reasons. In two, So if in 2000, the year 2000, if you took $100,000, if you left that, that $100,000 in inflation to today has the buying power of $148,000. Let's just say it's $150,000. That's a 
$100,000 loss in cash. Now, you buy a $100,000 car that's also depreciating. And I mean, it is, yeah, it's just, it's, it is devastating to your finances. So the first is debt. If you have it, you got to get it under control, consolidating debt, getting it at a lower rate, getting aggressive on a payment plan. I, you know, that's just, it's so essential in order for you to cultivate opportunity, everything else like that. And then multiple streams of income. That's the next one of our four pillars. Now this may be, this can encompass so many things. I know that a lot of you have two people in a household, both of you are working. I pretty much my entire life always had multiple jobs where I was doing multiple things, whether it was startups, whether it was my own businesses, where it was investing on the side. I've always been obsessed with multiple streams of income. And maybe one of the reasons is, you know, I was working and had a family through the Great Recession and saw the devastation and it just, you know, I saw everybody lose their job. And one stream of income, it it's just not, it's not safe. And it can go away at any time. So for me, multiple st- streams of income, I mean, that's just been standard practice. It's an absolute. And I also took that in my sales job. I, had, I couldn't ever bank on one client because if they ever went away so i diversify and the more clients i had would hedge me against losing that one and that created a foundation too to really grow off of and add in lines because if i know how to add in a line of income then i can just keep doing that and that creates a compounding and growing path so that's the that really is the start of income growth i believe i think a lot of people view their one stream of income, their job as like their main life source. So it's like they choose. Oh, and, and I mean, they're not even choosing. It's implied that you're going to live off of it. You're going to, to save from it. You're going to do all these things from this one stream. And the da- most dangerous part is you don't control it. When I look at a job and I, I mean, I do have a job. I look at it as kind of a leverage point. So if I save 50% of my income, I can reinvest that into real estate, websites, businesses. And at this point, I don't need a job. I, I, I make more. I make much more than my job pays. But it's essential to continuing and continuing building the streams. It, it, it speeds up your confidence. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, like people that are living in a house where they have two incomes – I mean, if you live in a home where you have two incomes, you live off one, you can save Same and invest idea. the other. Yep. That is just steroids. Ideal. Ideal. Yeah. And so if you get rid of your plan. consumer debt and you start to save half your income, you're building this machine where you're no longer um, paying liabilities off and you're starting to create assets and, and those assets will pay for more assets as they grow. This is one of the reasons the four pillars, and we're talking, as you can see, about creating financial opportunities and building processes and systems that are repeatable over the future. And as you build out these assets and as you invest this money, you get rid of the debt, you have this disposable excess income that is reinvested, you get more streams of income coming in. What you're doing is you're separating your time from your income, and that's the last pillar. So eventually, your assets, your side businesses or whatnot, will it will be so far off your income that your, in, your time and trading your time for money is then gone, and you will be in a position to where you no longer need to do that, or you can, once again, it's excess disposable cash flow that you can use for other things, 
and once again, this is this is financial freedom. This is the crux of it. When you no longer have to work for a wage, which once again, entry the whole reason that I even start up cash flow to freedom and, and you know rock you're right 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 beside me when I went to the hospital went through all of that. I mean I was I was paralyzed. I could not work for the wage and the right. the fact that I had separated my time for money my job that I had because I I was working I was doing the same thing I was in a high paid job I was running a big firm um, had lots of lots of clients. I was just taking all that money and I had multiple lines of income. I was using that to compound, to invest, to grow, which was awesome. And then out of the blue, I was no longer able to do that. Whether that's you're in my situation and going to the hospital, whether that's you lose your job, yeah, or whether that's you just want to go sit on the beach for the rest of your life, right? right? You want to go do whatever it is. You now have safety and you have scalable income, scalable income, freedom, devoid from your time. And I think a lot of people, what they'll do is they will, when they try to do this, because they, they, they don't understand that there's certain vehicles that get you there and others that don't. So you might go start a business, but you're doing window washing and you have, you just built it yourself another job. A lot of people end up building themselves another job that's tied to their time. Whereas with, with what you, with, with the right way to do this is to, Kind of, there's there's multiple ways, but the the main ones that I think are low barrier to entry, and you can learn them over the course of a couple years, and just honestly, just it t- it does take years to get good at it. It would come down to like website businesses, online businesses, like affiliate marketing or building a, a product brand or selling digital products, or doing real estate, um, investing in multifamily or single family properties. I don't recommend obviously uh, flipping because you're still tied to the time unless you're unless you're just partnering with somebody and you're giving them the money and so we're splitting it 50-50. But generally, I think those two are the main ways that, that it's relatively low entry to learn it. You can go to local meetups. You can get on forums and online. online. I mean, there's so many resources online. There's no need to pay a $1,000 course to learn it. You can figure it out on YouTube and bigger pockets to learn real estate stuff or this podcast to learn real estate stuff. Yeah. And once you figure that stuff out, you can build businesses and build investments that are devoid of your time. Don't build yourself a and job. You 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 hit hit a big nerve there because I was once in this boat. I had a sales job. I was getting paid by my clients, right? And I was doing very, very well, made lots of money. And I thought I was financially free basically because I was my own boss, Yeah. right? I thought I'm my own boss. I don't have a boss. I make my own money when that wasn't true at all because if I didn't work, my clients didn't pay me. Yeah. So what really had happened is instead of one boss, I had lots of bosses. And a lot of people get in that position. They go buy a franchise, window washing, whatever it may be, and they're like, I'm financially free. I'm my own boss. Yeah. And they're not. They're you gotta own the franchise. Gotta exactly you gotta own the firm. I own the franchise and have somebody else do the work right. and you get paid off the profits. And so building out that financial vehicle correct is essential. If you are a VA or your side hustle is building websites, that's great. But if you're using that income to live on, yeah. all you're doing is extending out your means and you're more reliant upon that income. Instead of being financially free, what happens is people will start a side hustle and then they'll increase their expenses. Yep. And they'll they'll be living all off of the income. Yes. They don't they don't, they don't allow any opportunity from it. They're yep. they're actually strapping themselves down. They're yep. tethering themselves more. Yep. And instead of becoming more financially free, they're actually more burdened. They get a bigger house, they get another car, all of a sudden they want to look like they're successful, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it really they have to work even harder, even more to live up to that standard yeah. when 
all those exercises, all that income should be going into a vehicle that creates passive income on the side. Yeah, and and I think it's super important to say that when we're saying vehicle and, and building a business or building an investment strategy like a portfolio, you should be having a job that entire time because you need to live off the job and the money in the business needs to stay in the business. And when, it, when I mean stay in the business, it needs to continue growing and you need to hire people in it to start to run it because you can't just jump from your job into the business and start living off the business because you, you suck it dry. It's like, it's like a- Kills it. Yeah, you kill it. So, yeah. so you need to leverage your job into a, a business or an investment opportunity to get, to get that to scale. You need to like spend the time to get it to scale. And at scale, then you're just, you're set. You, you have a, something that's compounding on itself and paying you sustain, yeah. yeah, and that's why I think that really the three ideas to sustainable, it needs to be able to pay itself, right? And then it needs to be able to grow. So yeah. if let's let's put this down into really simple terms. If I have a business that makes and I in order to scale it, it needs to produce an, a unit that cost me ten thousand dollars a year to buy. So let's say that's another house every year. And if I don't have that ten thousand dollars, I can't grow it. Well, then I can't live and I can't take that $10,000 or it can't grow. So really what it needs to do is it needs to make 20 or more thousand. So I can still take that 10,000, put it in, and then I can pocket that other 10,000. Yeah. And so you need a, a business that's growing that can take care of all of its cost, but then allocate a certain amount of that capital back into it to grow it with giving off the excess profits. The and then on. you can live on but you don't ever want to live off the income of this one asset, this one thing, and it stifles the uh, money to grow. So if you buy a franchise, you have somebody that's running that franchise and that franchise makes $50,000 a year, but it costs you $100,000 a year to buy a franchise, then you need to stay at your job and take two years worth of profit by another franchise. Then you have two franchises that are yeah. making $50,000 a year, then you can buy another franchise every year. Well, then after you get two more, then you can live off $100,000 and you can still reallocate $100,000 a year into growing, thus taking care of you and taking care of that business and allowing it to grow. So once again, you get multiple streams of income. So the four pillars, no consumer debt, multiple streams of income, a scalable process, and time separation from income. Now, two, I want to make this, you know, it, a lot of people start to get really nervous and start to get worried this idea of building scalable process and stuff. And we talk about this financial vehicle that'll get you. You could be a driver. Two though, you can find a process that works and invest with people. I know lots of very successful people that have sales jobs, dentists, doctors, or maybe whatever it may be. And they're like, I don't have time and I don't even want to build anything out. I take a certain portion of my income, I allocate it with someone else, they invest it, and they put it in the real estate assets, they're direct investing, and they do it every single year. So you can be a passenger in a wealth vehicle, and that's fine. But you know, a lot of people they'll take a job where they get equity in the company. You know, there's ways to build this out that maybe if you don't feel comfortable, you can you can still do that. Or it may be something as simple as a high dividend diversified strategy, where you're taking your money, you're allocating it into ten different companies that pay high dividends every year. Once again, you're investing in somebody else's wealth strategy, but it's paying you. And at six percent, you can plot that out and grow it as you go on. But with this four four pillars, and we talk about if you want to build your own financial vehicle and you're really trying to get there, 
to stay with this analogy of this vehicle, just because it's easy for me to talk about and understand and I think express this way, the fuel that goes into this vehicle is a combination of three things which we're talking about. It's a combination of income, appreciation, and scale. And the reason this is important and the reason you want to get in these things and real estate is one of those things that can have all three of those, right? So I can invest it. It can pay me while it grows. Normally, and pays itself and off. pays itself off. Normally, one of the reasons I'm generally not favorable to just simply investing in the stock market is because first of all, you're throwing a dart, you have no control over it. Second of all, it's not paying you to own that asset. That's why, once again, cash flow to freedom. The idea and the basis that we're trying to pass on is that you're getting paid. Cash flow pays the bills. Cash flow pays for you to live. If you're investing the assets that appreciate, but they don't pay you, right? That's that's not financial fuel. You're waiting at some point to capitalize on something that you hope happens. That is speculation, right? And two, it's not scalable. Because if I'm not getting income from those assets, I can't reinvest. I got to go out and work to then put back into it. So you need something that can pay you while it grows, right? Businesses, real estate investments, once again, private investments into businesses, dividends that pay you back, right? And that you can reallocate that capital in so you can scale. When you get those three things, you get fuel, whether that's in your own financial vehicle or somebody else's. You know, Warren Buffett talks a lot on capital management. And that is one of his principal things that he looks for in businesses is people that generate a profit and they can reallocate that money at a known rate of return, which creates appreciation and grows the value of that business. That's why if we use the example too of having a franchise, right? Rock goes out and buys a gym franchise, which he has to work in. He puts $100,000 into it. Right, He goes there, he has to run it, manage it, and he makes $50,000 a year. It's not that that's not bad, and it's not that that's not great. In fact, that may be way better than having a job that he makes $50,000 a year at. But at the end of the day, he's still working for that income. So he works for the income. It may or may not appreciate, but you definitely can't scale it. So without all three of those ingredients, his financial vehicle has no fuel, so it's not going anywhere. It's staying put. And so will you. Your strategy, your business, your wealth vehicle, it won't move. It's going to stay put, right? You need to include income appreciation and get the scale in order to move the financial vehicle. Or you're just sitting in place, which is the same thing as having a job. And that is why jobs will never make you financially free because they lack two of the three things for fuel. So you may have a financial vehicle, which your financial vehicle may be a, a job. It's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to stay in place. So right? leverage it. Leverage it. It doesn't mean don't get a job. Exactly. Yeah. It means leverage it. So if you have a job, you need to be pouring that money into something that gives off income, has appreciation, and that you can scale. Yeah. And I mean, essentially, that's what you've done. And you've chosen not to take money out of it because you want the scale and appreciation yeah. faster than you could otherwise. Yeah. And so you're reinvesting into other products, other things, and you're getting more and more lines of income within the same business, right. which that's why you've been able to scale yep. and, and grow it so fast. Yep. I mean, if you had a one product shop and you were selling and you were taking the income out of it, you'd, you'd be trading water. You'd be sitting in the exact same place. Yep. Just on short-term thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Now, obviously, this is where you, you talk about studying, learning, and hard work, I mean, this isn't easy, right? 
need, it takes a lot of work to do this. We're talking about working multiple jobs, working weekends. I, I mean, last night I put the kids to bed and me and my work, wife, we work till, you know, midnight. Yeah. We're back up doing the same thing. I work weekends. You know, I'm part of a, a charity. We go to third world countries. We give wheelchairs to people. And we're going down actually this next week. We're headed down uh, to Costa Rica to do that. I'm already planning out my communication and everything like that so I can work while I'm down there. I don't need to do that. But I am not ready yet to quite give up the scale and appreciation that I have because I want to add in more fuel. My financial vehicles still move. I'll still be able to reinvest. I'll still be able to do that. I just want to add more fuel to speed it up. And that's the great thing about this is you can choose. Yep. You control the lever, right, at your online company. You, you do. You can pick. How much money do you want to take out of it? How much do you want to put back in? Yeah. The more you can leverage those multiple streams of income, the more you can allocate back in the faster it'll grow it'll grow and get you there once again that's when you come to how much fuel you want to create through income appreciation and scale that's your own personal choice but those four pillars that we talk about no consumer debt multiple streams of income the scalable process time separation from income without those you don't you can't even get to that point and when you're looking at the starting for for those that are starting out that personal finance part and getting rid of that consumer debt that kills all of the opportunities that we're talking about. You don't have an opportunity to even buy a franchise. You don't have an opportunity to buy dividend-paying stocks, to start an online company, or to buy real estate, which you can put money into. It'll pay you. It'll appreciate in value. And then you can go buy more real estate, right. which creates a scalable process. right? And a lot of this is discipline. I mean, you're in your early, early 20s. You had to give up a lot, just like I did in my early 20s. Right. Yeah. No, it's just, you just got to make a choice and just do it. Yeah. It's not a hard choice for me. I mean, some people might have a hard time with it, but if, I have no, go do that. If you don't, if you don't want to do it, go, go yeah. do it. So then go, you know, live your life however you want to do it. Yeah. And it's interesting. Stop, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Probably. Exactly. You know, it, it's interesting to me though, how we're trained in society, obviously because other people are trying to make money and everything completely opposite of most of these things. You have the, you go to school, right? You get the house, you get the cars, you get your good job, which for us millennials, everything, that's an archaic financial plan. I don't believe, you know, who knows if Social Security is going to get be there. I never, I knew I was never going to have a pension, yeah. right? And I knew, especially through the Great Recession, everything else like that, when, when corporation stuff, they got to cut. Well, guess what's the most expensive thing? Human capital. They cut people first. It's just it's yeah. how it works. And it's almost ignorant to be blind to those facts. And it's poor financial planning, but poor lifestyle choices and living if you don't really understand that. So you're sacrificing today for the future because 99% of anyone that's listening to this podcast doesn't have a pension. They're not going to, right? So we're talking about you know financial freedom and a lot of this stuff is in the short term, but even the long term planning. If you're talk, thinking and you're going to be what you want to retire at whatever age that may be, what's your strategy? And if you don't have one in 20 years, yeah, what you'll are you going to do? It'll be where you, you ended up based on the actions you didn't take. So, And a lot of it's not that complicated. If you're in your 20s and you want to retire when you're in your 60s. If you could save as much money as you can, get two jobs, save one of the jobs you can, and you bought a fourplex 
every whatever it is, five, even 10 years, and in 30 years it's paid off in your 60s, and you have two fourplexes that are paid off, one of those units pays the rent or pays all expenses, then the other three units in that fourplex becomes a profit because your debt's now paid off. Well, the increase in rental rates over 30 years, yeah, each huge. one of those duplexes is going to be making you a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had fourplexes, you have a fantastic retirement. Right. Because and that's not, it's, that's really not too difficult to do. No. It's just a simple process. You got to repeat. You know, it comes down to simple financial things like underwriting. You got to find deals that, once again, keeping extremely simple, yeah. you don't buy and you don't lose money. Once again, it gives off an income while it appreciates. So you get that cash flow yeah. while your asset is growing in value, right? And that's really important. A lot of people, they'll even invest in real estate and it's they're trying to break even. And I look at it, well, you break even until your furnace breaks. Yeah. And then you now you're losing money. Now you're losing money. Yeah. You need to be able to make financial plans where you integrate. And that's too, that goes to the same with buying, fran I, you know, I've owned franchises, buying franchises, how you're planning. Are you, are you buying a franchise where the franchise owner doesn't include his own expenses for working in that franchise? Because that is a real expense. That's a real cost. Then I see people, they buy it, they get into it and they're like, well, I didn't, you know, the owner was doing all this work and I didn't plan on it. Now all of a sudden it's not making money and you're working and you get stuck in the same thing we're talking about. This treading water phase yeah. where you're stuck in life and you're not moving. And I think that's where a vast majority of the people lie. They're stuck. Yeah. They have I mean, lots, lots of little anchors. I have nothing else to add. I mean, I, you hit it. <laughs> it is what it is. I think, and two, that's why when we're dealing with our cash flow freedom and our principles, when we're talking about building out these things, these four pillars, they're just essential. And individually on their own, right? They're still great. Yeah. They, they, they still they still do work. Exactly. You don't have to do everything the best. Exactly. But even even doing one will help get rid of your debt. Oh, they're stress-free. Huge. Just try and build a business. Each the worst thing you do is it fails. And you just try again. And don't take out a loan because that's more debt. Just bootstrapping. So cultivating your opportunities and then trying and you will fail. You know, that's as any process in life, I don't care what you're doing in finances, anything else like that, you're going to. You're gonna well, I've done multiple businesses that have failed, whatever. I don't even think twice about it. Investments that haven't worked out, you learn, you take something and you move on. I mean, when starting your online company, how many different things did you fail oh, yeah. on the way? Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. I, I, I think your ability to fail quickly. Yeah. And just turn, make turns and pivot. Yep. Pivot, move on, take it to the next step, cultivate what works, and then really leverage down on that and expand. Because everybody's opportunities are different. Yeah. If you were coming in and trying to build a financial vehicle like I did, whatever, eight, nine years ago, it's not going to look the same. It, it, it can't. Markets are different, right? Your position is different. Your individual situation, everything's completely different. And you need to be able to pivot, to move, to fail, and to move forward. But once again, if you go down to those basics, like we're talking about here with these four pillars, if you don't have those, you don't have the ability to pivot, to move. And one of those moves could be financially devastating for you. Yeah. How do you avoid that? How do you avoid... Making like when you're when you're looking at different opportunities that you got, how do you how do you avoid doing one that's going to be? If you don't know, you're going to do it, and then you'll figure it out as as you fail. And I think you have to fail into your success. 
I mean, you might get lucky or you yeah. might have somebody who guides you in the right direction. And you just hit it real first time. But I don't think I wouldn't count on being that person. I would count on being the person that fails multiple times into realizing what's not working and what could. And then you just do the actions on what could and that thing ends up working. Well, and even if you do, because you're right, even if you do get lucky and you hit it the first time, you're not. It's like you're not going to second time. You're not going to get lucky like that. So, yeah, so you, you need get, to be ready and yeah. used to failing. Well, and I think once you have something that's successful, you can kind of tell pretty quickly what, what would work and what wouldn't. And looking back, you can really tell it, it's simple, the, the mistakes that, that I did make. And looking forward, like I, I would never repeat the same things I did just because looking back at it, it's like that was an amateur mistake. But and I'm sure there's more of those ahead. You just learn as you go and apply what you're learning in the in every situation you're going through. Well, and this is an interesting aspect about it too, because those failures that you made at the first, it seems like you know because there's so many, it dramatically extends your time to make whatever you're doing work out. But then your second, when you go to repeat that, right? Oh yeah. I mean, sure you dropping a, a product into your online store in your online company yeah. compared to when you first started. Yeah, it's way faster, oh, way more fresh. efficient. Yeah. And your odds of getting it right are yeah. just- Or just starting any business. It's just like, you just know all the process you need to go through, you know who you need to talk to, how you need to go about manufacturing or how you need to go about creating. And once you have all that stuff lined out, you just, you just do it and it's not even a question yeah i mean this goes back to when we invested in our first uh property our first storage facility it was a small one and two i think that's a great way to hit on that to avoid you know tanking yourself you don't want to ever put your eggs all in one basket and uh start small so you can build processes that can scale yeah well we started small when on after we sold that first storage facility you know it, it didn't it, it actually netted a loss so we sold it for less than we bought it for. And now looking back, we would just never make that mistake again. And we are able to analyze, purchase, and turn around properties. It's almost second nature. I can look at a property and I can immediately see the value. Yeah. I can see the potential. And I can know with just a few points of data whether I should buy that property or not. Yeah. Well, that, that took time. And the first time we did it, it didn't work out. But we were able to overcome that and immediately the next one we went into and we bought, we learned from those mistakes and the next one, uh, we ended up making a million bucks off it in like less than a year. And that creates a process that is scalable. Yep. So in order to get that scale and get that process, you need to set yourself up in a position you could fail. So guys, if you're going into debt to start up a business and you've never done that before, you're done. Yeah, I mean, you have no room for error. You you literally can't fail because the debt doesn't go away because you failed. Yep. You still got to pay that debt. And then if you fail and you got to pay that debt, now you're working for however many years, you have no more opportunity to try to pay that off. Do you think you're going to do that again? No, you're going to go, that was dumb, right? And I've lost years and opportunity and time. So you need to set yourself up to fail. And focusing on these four pillars, once again, that is the key. And that's why we think that they're so important. I think to summarize it, wrap it up here, the four pillars, no consumer debt, multiple streams of income, creating a scalable process, and a time and income separation. There will never be a one hit, you're done. You're not going to go buy a duplex and then you're financially free and it's over because you made this amazing investment. 
right? You're not going to buy a stock and the stock's going to shoot to a billion dollars and you're don't, that's not going to happen. Don't plan on it. Be ready to fail and create a process in which you can invest or open business that's repeatable. And these are the four pillars that will allow you to do it. And then once again, once you get that process, the fuel, income, appreciation, and scale tied together, that determines on how fast you're going to get to your end destination, right? You want to be financially free at 30, you're 25. You need a lot of income, you need a lot of appreciation, and you need a lot of scale. Now, if you're you're 22 and you say, I don't care at all, I'm looking for 70, well, you don't need as much income, you don't need as much appreciation, you don't need as much scale to get there in that time frame. So it's just how much fuel you want out of the fire. But I hope that these the pillars and their ingredients here are the philosophy of cash flow freedom. I hope that this helps you. We're going to put more on our site and we're going to write more about it. And we'll be talking about these concepts in all our podcasts and articles to come. If you have any questions, please write to us. Let us know. Thanks for being here and see you next time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.